Alrighty, welcome back, Grace Church. Wasn't that wonderful worship? And isn't it great that just modern technology, how we can uh, lead worship from a piano in our house or from a guitar in a house or from just you watching and experiencing this live worship uh, in your home. Uh, thank the Lord for just the gifts that God has given us as Grace Church and that God has given us through uh, just all the various things that we uh, are doing. Uh, and I want to thank you for your prayers and for your thoughts, your kindness, uh, even through this time uh, of all that people are going through. And ours is the least of it. There are so many people out there that are going through so much worse things than what we've encountered or, or enduring through this. So uh, thank you, Grace Church, for being so kind to the community and being kind to the people in your life. And we're praying for you. We pray for you daily. Uh, we're praying a hedge of protection and a shield of favor. I'm coming out of Mark's Gospel, the sixth chapter today. We've been in the Gospel of Mark. I love the book of Mark. I love the Gospels. And Mark, the sixth chapter, is something similar to what maybe Grace Church hopefully is valued at. And we're going to read out of uh, 6, 1 through 6 or 1 through 7. And so you can follow along with me if you have your, your Bibles. The uh, Bible says, He, being Jesus, went away from there. And this is after he healed Jairus' daughter uh, and came to his hometown. Now, that's key there. He went to his hometown. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished. Uh, saying, where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom that's given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter's son, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judas and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and not without honor uh, his relatives and his own household, and he could do no mighty works there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people, and they were healed, and he marveled because of their unbelief, and he went among the villages teaching. Let's pray that the Lord's word uh, would open our hearts today. Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love. God, we just pray, Lord, that your your word would open our hearts and our hearts would be open to your word to hear all that you have for us. Uh, we love you and bless you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm startled at the thought that Jesus' own family wouldn't accept him. Uh, they didn't understand him. They didn't, they didn't get him until after his resurrection. And even though Mary pondered those things in her heart, I wonder that she even... Uh, didn't get Jesus as well. And maybe you walk through that in your life. Maybe there's things in your life that your family doesn't get, you don't get. You don't understand why things have worked out that way, why things are not the way that maybe you hoped they would be. And I want to talk to you about those things. I want to talk to you about not fitting into somebody else's box or not fitting into somebody else's uh, ideals. The fact is, if you don't fit into somebody else's ideals, you might fit into Jesus's criteria. You know, there's many people in scriptures that didn't fit into their family's criteria. Uh, David didn't fit into his brother's criteria. In fact, his oldest brother, uh, Abinadab, asked, why aren't you feeding those too few sheep that you should have been with out in pasture when he wondered why they hadn't killed Goliath just yet? Joseph, the coat of many brothers, his brothers threw him into a pit. 
uh, and left him for dead. And then they sold him into slavery. And then uh, he ended up being second in command of all of Egypt and actually saved the nation of Israel. Sometimes family don't get one another. Sometimes they don't understand. Jesus' family certainly didn't get him. Gideon blamed his heritage. We're the least. I'm the least in my family. My family's the least of the tribe. We're the least of the Midianites, so on, so forth. Um, Rahab was a harlot. Uh, the Bible is full of people who maybe didn't fit into a box that God had uh, told them to get out of, to, to bound out of. And, and so... Jesus expounds on it. They didn't really know him. And I wrote this down. You know me, but you don't accept me because you don't see me. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here, that they, they knew Jesus as the carpenter's son. They didn't know Jesus as the miracle worker. They didn't know Jesus as the son of God. You see what you think is me. And we see this in the past. Um, you know, my wife and I got married at a really young age and sometimes family members in the past, they don't do it anymore. They would say, well, that's just, you know, Marky or that's just Janie or that's just this or that. And, and the fact is, you know, over time and through years of ministry and years of just maturing, uh, the whole maturation process, we all grow into becoming who God wants us to be. And that's my prayer for you today. But as Jesus was becoming the person that God needed and wanted him to be as the son of God, that others around him didn't understand that. They couldn't fully accept that because whenever we dare to be different, whenever we dare to be something that God's called us to be, it does put pressure on people around us. When Peter got out of the boat, the other 11, they did not want that to happen. They didn't want to see Peter walk on water because that puts positive peer pressure on them. And so I think when we walk through this thing, even the scribes and Pharisees, the Sadducees, the hypocrites, the people in the synagogue, they don't want Jesus doing miracles because, first of all, a lot of times we want that flavor. We want that, uh, we, we want that exaltation in our life. But here's a couple of things that I've written down that the scribes and the Pharisees didn't want to see Jesus. In fact, he came from Nazareth via Bethlehem. He wasn't from Jerusalem, although we know that's the kingdom where he's going to come back and set up his kingdom on earth. We know it's in Jerusalem. We know that he's the king of kings and the Lord of all glory. But we also know that those people in Jerusalem, they didn't, the establishment didn't want Jesus. And I think maybe there's, that's true in America. Part of the establishment may not want you. Part of the establishment may not want what you're about or what I'm about or what church is about or what God's about. Or, but when the people of God, when Christ's followers show the love of God, it's easy to then disrupt the establishment. And that's why we should always pray for people in office. He came from a poor, unknown family. He wasn't. You know, you can think of the families maybe in America or around the world, and I won't name them, uh, but you can think of the prominent families. Oh, that's that person's family, or that's that family, that historical family, uh, that sports family, Hollywood family, whatever the case may be. Uh, Jesus didn't come from that. Jesus understood that as he was the creator of the universe, spoke this world into existence, that he also came as a baby in a manger in a little town called Bethlehem, which, by the way, was on the wrong side of the tracks. Maybe 
you grew up on the wrong side of the tracks. Maybe you grew up in an area where people were not readily accepted of you. Maybe you grew up on the right side of the tracks. Maybe you grew up in, in a privileged part of town, but you have to realize that that privilege isn't what was given to you or what God's privilege is that needs to be given to you is what that we need to operate on. He didn't have the right rabbinic credentials. We know that Jesus studied. We know that he spoke in the synagogue and in the temple, so he had some privilege there. But we also know that he grabbed 12 motley crew men to become disciples who didn't qualify for the rabbinic school, which was an 18-year school. And we know that they were followers of Christ. And so it doesn't matter of our past credentials. And I'm speaking to education. I think you should get as much education as you can. I think you should study. I think you should be a continual learner. I think you should read. I think you should read as much as you can. Read ferociously. Listen. Study. Watch podcasts. Listen to podcasts. Listen to sermon series. Watch, but but make sure that you include the Bible in all of your reading and your study time. When you do that, those are the credentials that God's really looking for. The wisdom comes from hearing. Okay, faith comes by hearing by the word, hearing the word of God. Jesus didn't regard man-made rules, and I'm not giving you the release to become a rebel. But I've written the, the definition of a rebel is a person who rises in opposition. So being a rebel isn't always a bad thing. In fact, I think you should rebel against sin. I think you should rebel against establishment when it puts other people down. I think you should rebel against people, uh, against things, ordinances that are not caring for what God would create a uh, human being. God loves all human beings. And so we should rebel against things that are contrary to God's word. And then when we rebel against those things, so Jesus didn't have regard against man-made rules and the man-made rules would argue God on those things. They, they would say, well, keep holy the Sabbath, which is true, it's the fourth commandment. We understand that. But at the same time, Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So what's he saying? If someone needed to be healed on the Sabbath, he was going to heal on the Sabbath. He was going to uh, break those man-made rules. In fact, David broke man-made rules, or even rules that were in the Old Testament. He broke into the temple, ate the showbread uh, from the great high priest and because his men were hungry. And so Jesus was a rule breaker, but again, he did it in love. He didn't do it in hate. Uh, there's a difference between breaking rules in love and breaking rules in hate. And uh, there's, a, there's a huge difference of following Christ to, to do things in that way. He quoted the word and not other people. I think sometimes if we're not careful, we quote too many people. We quote authors, we quote publishers, we quote poets, we quote prophets. The, this prophet said that. We need to quote Jesus. We need to quote the word of God. And what, what did Jesus say about it? I love what my father-in-law would always tell us when we were young uh, going to his church in Omaha, Nebraska, he would say, let's, let's see what the word says. What's the word say about that? And I think that's what we have to understand because everybody has an opinion. Everybody has an idea, but let's see what the word of God says. If the word of God says, and that's what Jesus did. Jesus didn't quote the local rabbis. He, he quoted Solomon. He quoted Isaiah. He quoted Leviticus. He quoted the word of God. And I think that's what we need to get back to. If we want to see our stepping out of the box into a great, greater environment, a greater life, a greater uh, 
being full of who we are to our fullest potential, then we have to start quoting what God says about us, not what other people say about us. He did miracles when and where he wanted to. We understand that. We talked about that on the Sabbath. And then again, he, he appeared to be a troublemaker. But here's what Jesus did. Jesus was always people over politics. And I think, again, in an election year, and I don't want to, I don't want to hit it hard, uh, probably have too much in the past, I think we always have to understand there's a difference between people over politics. When we, when we serve people and not the political parties or political this or political that, when we really work for people and serve people, that's what Christ following is about. Well, this is what uh, happened with Jesus. Jesus wasn't in that box. Jesus wasn't in their criteria. Jesus wasn't in their ideal. Jesus wasn't that perfect segment of person that they thought, but he was the right person that God thought because God sent him. So uh, maybe you've grown up on the wrong side of the tracks. Maybe you're not that perfect person. Other people tried to put you in their in their box. Uh, you know, you have to work that out with God. You have to say, okay, Lord, this is this is who I am in Christ Jesus. This is who I am in you. Now I want to fulfill that destiny that you have uh, inside of me. When we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, we're open to a whole new realm of what God has for us. Some are going to be missionaries. Some are going to be evangelists. Some are going to be pastors and preachers and teachers. Some are going to be factory workers and moms and dads and sons and daughters and uh, the world is at your uh, disposal so to be what God has called you to be but look look at some of the the things that these guys said about Jesus where did this man get these things now even John the Baptist before this said behold the Lamb of God, the Son of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Repent, for the kingdom of God now is at hand. Repent, do a 180. Turn away from your sin. Turn away from your things that are keeping you from the kingdom of God. So they use this word <clears throat> man probably in a derogatory form. They didn't recognize who he was. When we uh, fail to recognize who Jesus is in our life, then we fail to fulfill the promises that God has for us. When we realize that Jesus is Lord and Savior, He's King, when He's when we realize that Jesus is joint heirs with us and we're joint heirs with Him, then we have this uh, we have this situation where we're joined together with the King of Kings. So they were just calling him, who is this man? And we say, who is the son of man? Who is the son of God? Who is the, the creator of the universe? The next thing is, where did he get this wisdom from? Where, where was this wisdom given from? Well, he, he got wisdom from God. He, he is God. He's the, he's the second part of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And so when we realize that he gives wisdom, in fact, Solomon said he gives wisdom uh, he gives wisdom freely. James says the same thing. He gives wisdom freely. And James was Jesus' half-brother. And so we can get this wisdom. We can get this freedom. We can get, we can get wisdom. And so uh, humility teaches us wisdom. He that wins souls is wise. We know that there's wisdom all around us. And we want wisdom in our leaders. So we pray that they would be wise. We want wisdom in uh, spiritual leaders, uh, civic and social leaders, financial leaders around the world. We want, uh, we want America and the world to be a better place. But we want our churches and our communities to be better places. So we can pray and ask for wisdom who and what God gives 
liberally in that. And then they question his mighty works. And it's, it's funny that they would credit the works, but not the miracle worker. And I think that's the thing. Sometimes uh, Grace Church, if you're watching online around the country, we have many people that do. We have to be careful that we're not chasing the works, but we're chasing the worker. Uh, Jesus said signs and wonders would follow them that believe. And we have a lot of people in uh, the Christian faith today that will chase uh, different preachers or chase different speakers or chase different evangelists or chase a different word. And, and uh, not that any of that's bad. It's all good in and of itself. But you and I, we need to chase Jesus first. When we really chase after Jesus, when we make him... Uh, the head, when we make him the heart, when we make him the soul, when we make him the body, when we make him everything, uh, then we've taken him out of the box. It's a, it's a done deal. We can chase Jesus and we can we can make sure. So they credit the works. They understand there's there's miracles coming from this man, but they don't credit the worker. And I think that's the case here. When we see someone that maybe has performed a miracle, we have to make sure that we give credit where credit's due. We give all glory to God. God is important. Uh, God is on the throne. God is in charge. They continue the insults. Is this not the carpenter's son or not his brothers with us? And this is one of the few scriptures that at least mentions part of Jesus' family. James, Joseph, Jude, Simon. Uh, along with Jesus, they had the G, they had the J's going there for a while until they throw Simon in there. And then, as is true with this culture, they don't normally mention the women, but we know there's at least two sisters because uh, of the plural. So there's a family of at least six there that Mary and Joseph had, and we're not sure if they had you know multiple sisters or not, but we know they had at least two. We also know that in Mark the fourth chapter. Uh, Jesus' family thought maybe he had lost his mind. So they're not followers at this point in time. They're not, uh, they're watching from afar. In fact, I think they're probably just a little nervous. And maybe you've made your family nervous in some things. I know I probably have mine uh, in some ways. But maybe you've made your family nervous. Maybe you've done some things. Maybe you're over the top. Maybe that one extra prayer meeting or that four o'clock prayer morning or that uh, going and knocking on doors or taking food or, uh, you know, buying somebody's Christmas form or paying off somebody's debt or maybe that just messes up your family just a little bit. But you know that you've been doing it in the name of the Lord. You know that you've been doing it for the grace of God. And maybe that messes up your family. But there'll be a day where they believe. There'll be a day that they come around and say, wow, maybe that guy got it before we did. I'm not saying that's true. Uh, in anyone's case, especially my case. But I know this, that when you follow the heart of God, God will have you do some stuff that seems unusual, uh, extraordinary to other people. And when, when you do that, know this, that you've touched the heart. You've touched the heartbeat of God. So continue to be who you are, continue to do what you're doing, continue to to look out for your common man, continue to to be praying, continue to, to bless. Don't let anybody put you down. Don't let anybody tell you, hey, you're you're from the wrong side of the track, you're you're the carpenter's son. Uh, if you're not privileged or if you're not if if you're not uh, you know, hey, most of us are just normal, whatever normal is. But I have something that's really cool, uh they took offense at him because he he looked at potential over policy. 
those that did not fit in the box, those that did not fit like the rulers of the day, of the temple, of synagogue, of the courts, those that uh, thought they had control didn't know they were going to surrender control to the King of Kings at that resurrection day. Jesus said in Matthew that all authority had been given to him, and by implication, he then gives his authority to us. Authority gives you three things in scriptures. Authority gives you permission. You might want to write that down. Authority gives you permission to go to the throne room of grace. Authority gives you privilege. Then now you've got the keys to the kingdom of God. And authority gives you power. Now, again, that power needs to be operated in humility. You can't operate that power as a know-it-all. You can't operate that power as someone who's better than somebody else because that's not the power that Jesus operated in. So, again, one, it's permission. You have a permission now through the name of Jesus Christ to go to God the Father. You have privilege to have keys to the kingdom of God. That whatever you bind, will be bound, whatever be loosened, shall be loosened. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you have you have the power. Now that word power is broken into two things that Jesus exercises. One, we know it from the Holy Spirit, it's dunamis. Dunamis power is this, the ability to do something. So you have the ability to lay your hands on the sick and they shall recover. You have the ability to speak those things that aren't as though they are. You have the ability to read and understand and comprehend the word of God, to stand upon that word, doing all you can, stand. And then the second part of power is exousia. It's the right to do something. So not only do you have the ability, you have the right. Now, Jesus exercised both parts of power, but he also gives us that power. He gives us the right to exercise the ability. So you have the right. This is where we pray the Lord's Prayer, that kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we pray the Father's will for a healing, we pray for the Father's will for a blessing, we pray the Father's will for a favor, we pray the Father's will for outreach or evangelism or for community. When we pray the Father's will in our life, it's done on earth as it is in heaven because we have the right and we have the ability. And so when we get ready to close this thought today, I'm so passionate and glad that you're tuning in with us and you're praying for uh, all the people in our community and in our Grace Church. I want you to know that you've been given permission. You've been given privilege and you've been given the power, the right and the ability for you to act upon that power is yours. John 1 and 12 says this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right, the power, and the authority to become children of God. Would you pray with me? Uh, and then we're going to have Marcus close the service. Father, I thank you, Lord, for our church and those that maybe have uh, grown up on the wrong side of the tracks or uh, completely are out of the box of what other people think they should be. I speak, Lord, to their case and to their cause. And those that, Father, are searching, Lord, because they've done everything right. They've worked hard. They've, they've been a blessing, but maybe they still don't feel totally fulfilled that you would, Lord, just bust their box open and let them be so fulfilled in ministry and calling of what you have them, even in their workplace, in their home, in their family. I thank you. I pray you keep everybody safe with a hedge of protection and a shield of favor. We love them so much, and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We love you, Grace Church. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thank you so much for watching the uh, Grace Church at Home experience today. Uh, we hope you enjoyed the service. Uh, let's continue to lift up our pastor in 
your prayers. Uh, remember that my mom tested negative for COVID-19, um, but we should still lift her up, uh, as well as all of us, not just in the pastoral staff, but uh, if you have a prayer request, we want to pray for you. Just go to gracechurch.tv contact, and you can fill out your prayer request there. You can even leave us a praise report and you can sign up to be added to the email updates. While you're on the website, if you want to give, you can just go to gracechurch.tv give or download the mobile app. Just search Grace Church Hickory in the app store or wherever you get your apps. That's probably the easiest way to give. Uh, you can even make a reoccurring gift. Uh, follow us on social media. Like us on Facebook. Uh, we're on Instagram at GraceChurchNC. And don't forget, we have Grace Kids available as well. Today, it's of course uh, online only, gracechurch.tv slash gracekids. That's kids with a Z. Um, but next week, we will be back uh, with uh, nursery and the kids church zero to 11 and for the adults and, the, and everybody in your family um, uh, next Sunday in person. That's the plan and we hope to see you there. Have a great week and God bless.